you're listening to X-Rated Movies. My name is Brian Whedon. I'm Matt Fisher. And this is a movie podcast by two guys who used to date, and now they debate movies. <laughs> wow. Thanks. Bravo. I, was, I wanted to try something a little different. Wow. No, I like it. I like it. You're always better with rhymes than I am. Yeah. Well, it's your days as a lyricist. <laughs> yeah, you're the poet of the two of us. Oh, man, I don't know if I want to admit this on the pod, but I'm going to. There's this game I play It's on my phone. It's called Wordscapes. It's basically like um, an anagram game. Recently, this last week, I had a lot of time to play it. And every weekend, they have a tournament where they just, like, I think randomly put you in a tournament with 100 players. And uh, usually, I'm placed with, uh, I think, a group of old ladies in a nursing home who have nothing better to do but play that game because they get stomped. <laughs> But this weekend, I got first place. Wow! <laughs> you beat out those old ladies. I did. I don't think. I think I got placed in um, something with a bunch of high schoolers or something because I stomped them. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It felt really good. You're like uh, that episode of Seinfeld where like Kramer's uh, practicing karate <laughs> and he's like taking it super seriously, and then like someone goes down to like see him, and it's like a, a kids' class. Yep. He's like, I'm dominating. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I did learn, this is a fun one. Um, oh, let's see. Gradual is an anagram for Dragula. <laughs> and when the game didn't accept Dragula, uh-huh. I shouted, homophobia. <laughs> uh, hey, how's it going, Matt? It's fine. How are you? I'm, uh, I'm doing all right myself. Are you, are you well rested? Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm still recovering from our tumultuous pod recording with Eric Blood. I know. Who knew? Who knew? (laughs) I'm glad that it's out there. Mm -hmm. We need these heated debates. We can't just all be sitting around agreeing with one another. Yeah. What's it like uh, pooping out of your new asshole? (laughs) Betty Tor. (laughs) I, for one, love it. It cuts it in half, that that whole toilet time. Wait, was your previous asshole so tight it took a long time? It divides the traffic. It's like adding extra oh, lanes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's, it's just I'm just preparing for more of a population boom, meaning I'm going to eat more. Mm. Thanksgiving's on its way. Mm-hmm. So. It's late this year. What are, how are we supposed to deal with that? Well, <laughs> I mean, I'll probably deal with it like I deal with it every year. by <laughs> Eating too much and not bringing anything <laughs> for the rest of the guests. Uh-huh. No, I, I'm pretty sure my family still views me as like a 16-year-old. Mm. There's always just like a slight inkling of like, oh, Matt's not really an adult yet, mm-hmm. so he must be starving. Like, he's got no money for food, so we're just going to send him home with leftovers. And Do you play up that image? Yeah, it's like when I was like in my mid-20s, I was like, you guys, but now I'm like, yeah, just give it to me. And you're like, oh, I'm so hungry. This is good for today, but tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, if they'd only seen my mineral water budget, they, <laughs> they'd probably take away all my, my leftovers. Probably doesn't help if you're bringing your laundry over to Thanksgiving and doing it there. <laughs> well, you know, they get the Tide Plus. Oh. So. I recently listened to an episode of the Conan O'Brien podcast with Bill Hader as a guest. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was there's a good portion of that episode where they just like quote the quote Simpsons. The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, so I'm going to take a page from that book. And uh, do you remember that one when uh, Principal Skinner has to pay for his own laundry and he's just reading the titles of the soap in the laundromat? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I never realized until that episode that all laundry detergents are monosyllabic. Sure. Uh, let's see. Tide, cheer, bold, biz, fab, all, gain, whisk. What does Skinner eventually decide on? Uh, I think bold. Yes, I think you're right. <laughs> Good memory. That's an early season one. Where I, when I grew up, especially in high school, it showed at like five something mm-hmm. two episodes and then it showed at like nine at night oh. and so i was catching them i was just like double simpsons all day five days a week yeah i remember for me they showed like one episode at like probably like five yeah and then another episode at seven yeah and so i just sat there and watched whatever shows they'd put between those them uh until the next episode of the simpsons came oh man i did that too 
With Which like, was it was probably shitty shows. Yeah, that's that's usually where they stuffed like Full House. Yeah, and like, and like Family I, Matters. I would watch it because it was on, and no other reason. Yeah, Caroline in the City. Ugh. I know that you have a beef with Caroline in the City that we've never fully explored. <laughs> I just felt it was aggressively unfunny. Who was the lead lady in that? Um, not Elizabeth. Leah. Leah, Leah Thompson. Leah Thompson. Yeah, that's right. You have just a really profound hatred of her just, because of that show yeah and also her comic strip sucked <laughs> was that what she was she was like a yeah yeah she like did a comic strip i think that was the name of the strip was caroline in the city mm, and she sort of like would base it on on real things that happened to her and it was just always like you know i read the comics as a kid every morning before i'd go to to school wait was it a real comic no no oh. but like there were definitely ones that I would read because I read almost all of them. Uh-huh. And I'd be like, ugh, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd always read it. And I just got that vibe from that show of like, oh, great. Here comes another Marmaduke. <laughs> yeah. Really? You weren't picky and choosy about the funnies? There were some that like you couldn't help, especially like the single panel ones. Like I hated the family circus. Everybody hates the family <laughs> circus. It was so it's just it's a sentence. Well, right. You read it and you groan and then you move on. But it's always there. It's always there. And it's never funny. <laughs> so my my friend uh, Ashley and I used to uh steal the paper from the break room at when we worked together and we'd tear out the family circus and repurpose it for each other and give it to each other. Mm-hmm. And she found one that I had done that uh, I'm still pretty proud of. I was just thinking about this the other day, actually. It's a tree that's fallen, and Jeffrey is talking to Dolly, and he's sitting on the fallen tree to her. And I don't remember what the original caption was, but I just had uh, him saying, you're a stupid bitch. (laughs) (laughs) I think there is some sort of, like, meme out there of, like, family circus comics, but, like, replaced with just, like, that one caption or something. (laughs) They also, I saw for a while they were, someone was doing the, um, it was like a Cthulhu themed uh, family circus. Mm. That that was pretty good too. There's also like Garfield, but like if Garfield never actually speaks, it's just, it's really sad (laughs) the way that John interacts with his cat. Garfield without Garfield? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, The funny is like I I was an avid reader of Calvin and Hobbes, which stopped when I was 10. Oh, I'm so sorry. But after that, I kind of like lost interest in the funnies because like, I don't. Maybe Garfield's still around. I don't know for certain. I'm sure. I'm sure. Really? Mm-hmm. It's been around since like 1977. Fucking Annie was running in my in my oh, newspaper in the 90s, really? and that thing's been around since the 20s. So I remember never understanding Doonesbury. Me neither. But like, I bet I get it now. Yeah, it's probably actually really funny now. Yeah. I read Foxtrot. Oh yeah, Foxtrot. Relatable. Yeah. <laughs> I remember my mom always liked High and Lois. Sure. And then. Yeah, Family Circus was there, and yeah, it was one of those things, like, because it was single cell, like, you couldn't help but read it. You know, some of those weren't always funny, but you know what is funny, Ryan? War? (laughs) Just a laugh riot it is. So technically, today's movie, MASH, I wouldn't necessarily call it a war movie. I don't think I would either. Like, it takes place during war. Sure. But the only gunfire that there is is, like, when the starter's pistol is shot during the football game. (laughs) That's right. I chose MASH for today's movie, AFI Be Damned. I know it's on there. But I wanted to choose something on brand for Veterans Day. Mm-hmm. But I, I really specifically didn't want to do a war movie because I felt like that focuses on war. Right. I wanted to choose a movie that really focused on the vets. And I didn't want to do like too much of a downer movie. Like We talked about this a little bit last week, but like Eric well, was like, are you doing Coming Home? And I was like, well, that was actually my first choice, but I decided against it. Mm-hmm. And... Thin Red Line, like, that really focuses on, like, the troops in war rather than the war itself. But I was like, eh, even that, like, three hours, and it is a downer, too, a little bit. So I just kind of, I felt like, you know, MASH really kind of hits that good stride of, like, 
We can talk about it. It's a funny movie. People know about it. It's really definitely unequivocally about the troops. Yeah. Or at least the medical people in the war itself. But Mm -hmm. it just felt right. Yeah. I mean, all right. I'm just, I'm going to come clean. I didn't enjoy watching it this time. You did not. I did not. Okay. I have since thought a lot about it and I appreciate it. But uh, there were just too many elements that kind of made it problematic, unsettling for me. Like, I feel like, yeah, I feel like our main characters, Hawkeye, Trapper, and uh, who's Elliot Gould? No, he, he's oh, Trapper. Uh, yeah, Elliot Gould's Trapper. And then the Trapper, other one. Um, Tom Skerritt. Yeah, his yeah, character. I can't remember his name. I just, I found their casual misogyny. Oh, yeah. Very off-putting. And I also, I kind of was getting sort of um, Adam's Family vibes in that there's kind of like one type of joke mm. where like, there's like an American institution and then they undermine it. And it's sort of like, if you're not on board for that over and over again, it's kind of like, oh, I guess I'm not, I don't know. I, and I wasn't <laughs> this time. I was just like, I mean, I hate football too, but do we have to sit through a whole football game to prove that point? <laughs> like, uh, so question, are you a fan of the show at all? Not really. Okay. To be honest. I mean, a little more now that I'm an adult. Like, I've, okay. I've, I have... I have a history with the TV show. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. Should we get into that now or later? We can. We can. Uh, well, what are your feelings on the show, though? I don't really like it. Okay. I gave it a, a, a another whirl a couple, well, probably about a year ago. Mm-hmm. I like to watch sitcoms to, like, fall asleep to. Mm-hmm. Like, there's something about them I just I find relaxing. Two, three episodes of a sitcom, I'm out like a light. Sure. And so I tried it with MASH, and it never really stuck. I think I watched, like, three seasons, and I'm like, you know what? I'm, just, I'm not into this. Like, I'm not getting into it. And I was that way when I was younger. I mean, MASH, the television show, was like a cultural milestone. It ran for like 12 years. Yeah, I mean, the yeah. movie was too, uh, of course, but uh, the movie wasn't constantly on syndication while I was growing up. Right. And I never really liked it. And there was a lot of other shows from that era. I was a big Nick at Night kid. Okay. Yeah. I watched your Happy Days. I watched uh, your Bob Newhart shows. Uh, your Bob's Newhart shows. <laughs> Bob Newhart's shows? The, the, however you pluralize <laughs> Bob's Newhart's. <laughs> so, yeah, I watched a lot of Nick at Night as a kid. I think that's where, like, my, like, feeling surrounding sitcoms really came in. And MASH was just never one that I got on board with. Yeah. And in high school, I took, like, a pop culture appreciation class, like, as an elective. And... That teacher was weird. He made us watch like Weird Al Yankovic's complete music video filmography oh and my. things like that. <laughs> but one of the movies he had us watch was MASH. And I really was like, oh God, here mm. we go. And A, I can't believe they let people show that movie to high schoolers. I know. Uh, but in high school, I was like, this is so much better than the show. And I still kind of feel that way. Even though I'm not super crazy about the movie. Yeah. I like it. I, I like the movie. I think it's very entertaining. I watched it just a couple weeks ago because of uh, I'm like going through Altman movies mm-hmm. and I'm going through them alphabetically and, you know, I hit M and there it was. And I watched it and like I laughed like it's funny and it's also like the really the first movie where like Altmanism is a thing. His stuff before that doesn't have the sense of naturalism. It's not sort of playing on tropes. Like, this is a war movie where they don't show any war, which kind of becomes, like, his thing, like, a subversion of tropes. Mm -hmm. And the naturalism, like, it's super apparent here compared to his earlier stuff. Like, it's worlds apart. Mm. And, I mean, the naturalism, the performances he gets are really good. Like, there's this scene where we're introduced to Trapper. Okay. And, like, it's, you know, Elliot Gould and Scarrett and... and, uh, Donald Sutherland in the tent and they're he's like I've seen you before someplace and there is like a naturalism to it that like I'd find just kind of inherently enticing to watch mm-hmm. are you a beer drinker sir or would you like to share a martini with me a martini I that would be I'd love a martini oh John give the gentleman a martini I think you will find these accommodating they're quite dry don't you use olives Olives, where the hell do you think you are, man? We do have to make certain concessions to the war. We're three miles from the front line. And... Yes, but a man can't really savor his martini without an olive, you know. 
the three of them interacting in that scene like they're not doing anything like Trapper's like opening a beer and they're like getting martinis for one another yeah but like I'm sort of with it and I think it's because like if you've ever seen a play where there's like an animal like a cat walks out on stage or something and the whole audience just looks to that cat (laughs) that's kind of how I feel about the performances like when Altman gets it right like it's so natural that like you look at the thing that's acting that's actually being natural instead of acting natural sure yeah yeah yeah. and this is the first time an Altman movie really got that part of it down okay and so in that respect I think the performances are so good that they're so like comfortable with the characters that like you can't help but be a little entertained by them I'll agree with that it's weird because it's like I can see all these positives mm-hmm. and even agree with them mm-hmm. and still just feel I don't know like I said I didn't I wasn't on board for the jokes mm. I wasn't on board for the the satire I mean the color scheme and this is a problem I have of the show too and this is not a fault of the movie it's just like it's real right is like drab mm-hmm. so it's kind of hard to watch and he does his best uh cinema cinematographically sure to uh fight that and does a good job mm-hmm. so i'll give him that so like when blood shows up it's like holy mm. shit like that's a real that red like looks crazy all mm-hmm. of a sudden um and like and there's like some stylistic things that i like like there'll be scenes where people are talking and then he cuts away and keeps the voiceover going, but he's showing something else. Like, that's cool. I mean, I liked all the uh, silly announcements, I guess. Those were pretty Sure, yeah. Attention, attention. Friday night's movie will be The Glory Brigade. Rock'em, sock'em, kisses you never got. It's Uncle Sam's combat engineers charging side-by-side with Greeks and Zacks, showing the world a new way to fight as they use bulldozers like bazookas. Bayonets like bullets. And it's just like, I don't know, there's there's things that I like when I think about the movie. It's sort of like Desperate Living, where I was like, I did not enjoy watching that. <laughs> sure, sure. But, uh, talking about it and thinking about it is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I, well, even while I was watching it, uh, having a not good time, I was thinking like, <laughs> th- I still feel like this is a singular film. Like, I don't sure. think I've ever, I still haven't seen anything quite like this movie. Yeah, and... I think one, like last week, I I don't know if I said this on or off pod, but I was like, I don't think it deserves to be on the AFI list. But part of me, like watching it again last night, I was like, maybe it does just because of like the time and place that was put out, like, you know, 1970, Vietnam was still going on. And I know this takes place in Korea, but nobody's buying it. (laughs) But it's also, I think it's one of those like rare movies that like, if you were to show it to a hundred people... I think 50 would say that it's anti-war and 50 would say that it's pro-war. Sure. Because it has a way about it where if you are anti-war, you can see these people as like here against their will. Mm-hmm. There's like hot lips as lines like... I wonder how a degenerated person like that could have reached a position of responsibility in the Army Medical Corps. He was drafted. I think that kind of sums up the movie. It's like, this is a bunch of people who don't want to be here. Yeah. So, like, if you're anti-war, you can cling on to, like, nobody wants to be here. But if you're pro-war, like, they're... I, mean, I don't think anyone's pro-war, but if you're pro... Except for, uh, what's his name? The Zevo guy from Toys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if you're pro-military action and intervention, mm-hmm. you can also see these people as having, like, a, a very defined sense of duty. Like, yeah, they're skirt chasers. Yeah, they're boozers. But, like... When push comes to shove and there's people on the operating table, like they're there. Oh, like yeah. They, their sense of duty is unwavering. Sure, 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 sure. And it, I think that's why the movie was like such a big hit in the time is because, like, regardless of how you felt about it, like you could see and appreciate something in the characters. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's less a critique of war as a critique of America. Mm-hmm. Like, because I feel like there's. The things that he undermines or chooses to kind of attack in this movie are all American institutions, like religion with that, like... Um, with René Aubergenois. Aubergenois. Like that scene where he comes in and he has to, and he's like giving last rites to that one guy. And then he's like, can you come over here and hold this? And like, you know, he's oh, right. torn between finishing up his last rites and saving this guy. And he's like, look, this guy's alive. This guy's dead. Right. Uh, and then they do that like whole, you know, that like... Fake, whatever it is whatever thing they do like the whole 
like last supper thing for oh, uh, yeah. uh painless the doctor yeah. or the dentist yeah but it just specifically you know america in war because like you know i think that that war is something that has come to define this country mm-hmm. in throughout the, the last korean war specifically <laughs> <laughs> yeah just that one just that one um i mean specifically the last century but mm-hmm. like it's just something I think that when the world looks at us, they associate America with. Sure. And it just like gets worse and worse. Yeah. So, you know, it. I I hate saying this, but like war and the military, well, the military, I guess is probably a better way of putting it, is a, an American institution that is ripe for, you know, satirizing. Sure. Especially because like that specific war, not that, that wars since then have been less divisive, but... Vietnam because the draft was still still happening like right. Iraq and Afghanistan we didn't have a draft necessarily. like you still have to register for the draft but no one's being drafted right I mean for Vietnam and Korea like the draft was still very much alive and well right and like that was a point of contention for a lot of people being drafted sure I mean I would feel the same way if I didn't believe in the war and was drafted absolutely even now like if you're a military person and you see this movie, like even people inside the military feel that like the draft is a bad thing because the military runs more efficiently with a volunteer army. Mm-hmm. Like the people who want to be there are there because they want to be like, yeah. like, like the people enlisted are there because they want to be like, they don't have these people dragging their feet or causing mischief. Like granted now the military is probably just a bunch of hot lips, hula hands and Frank Burns. But <laughs> Do you think they can get away with the uh, casual misogyny that they do in this movie anymore? You mean if they were to remake this movie, could they treat hula the same way? I really doubt it. <gasps> oh boy. I want to write off their like repulsive uh, characteristics by saying that, you know, War itself is like a very messy thing, so it's okay that our characters are like, you know, complicated too. Yeah, but it's like, boy, it, it's I don't feel such, that way. It's such a boys' club, and I was texting with Eric Blood about this last night. I was like, especially in this like post Kavanaugh world, yeah. it just reeks of such a boys' club, and like some of this shit that they pull is like embarrassing like when when burns and Houlihan are going at and they put the microphone under their bed yeah oh frag oh frag my lips are hot oh kiss my hot lips the only reason why Houlihan and burns are so like uh, uh hurt by it is because they take so much pride in themselves sure like if it had happened to like anyone else like if you'd put the microphone under yeah hawkeye or trapper's bed like they take a bow <laughs> right exactly yeah but it's because that they're so holier than thou that like it's seen like as, as a, a mark against their white robe right well according to them yeah according to them, like no, no one, one else, else cares. actually cares yes yeah. they care because Houlihan and burns care so much sure you know and it's such an easy way to get under their skin so like that i wouldn't put that necessarily like in the abuse category yeah because it's they're not actually doing it for embarrassment. Like, they're doing it for entertainment. Yeah. But then it's like when they take the bet to see if she's really blonde or not. <sighs> not great. Not I'm great. Like, even if Houlihan was just, like, quote, like, a stuck-up bitch or something like that that everyone hated, in no way was she deserving of having that, like, shower curtain pulled on her like that. While everybody just, like, set up camp and yeah. watched and waited, like binoculars and oh that it's gross it's bad (laughs) that leaves such a bad taste in my mouth now like yeah just specifically that one scene i think well i think even the first moment when they arrive at camp and they see i can't remember which one it what her name is but she's a nurse Mm -hmm. um she's the one who ends up sleeping with the dentist and Mm -hmm. stuff and they come over the way like she's sitting there talking to her friends clearly just minding her own business and he comes down and he's like i think i'm in love she like giggles and then like turns back and then he interrupts her a second time well uh, you see that the truth is lieutenant i don't have anything to do tonight i just got into town and uh well i thought maybe you could show me around dude leave her alone part of me almost feels like because that might just be like the altman 
dialogue aesthetic of it because isn't isn't like she holds up her hand and and yeah uh, Hawkeye's like if you can tell the woman is very much married yeah 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 but, but I then mean, Hawkeye ends up sleeping with yeah her, so. <laughs> I but I, I feel like that's just like the Altman dialogue aesthetic almost where everyone's talking over each other people are interrupting one another I if you look at it separately yeah I, I think it does read sexist yeah. if you look at it in the canon of Altman dialogue scenes I think it just reads as average well but I mean like even when like Hawkeye's talking to Houlihan there's a part where he's like if if you weren't such a stuck up bitch yeah. I might actually sleep with you and it's just like are you like God's gift to women or something like fuck you he does it a little bit more nuanced than that he's like I'm gonna go go back to my bed I'm gonna put away the best part of a bottle of scotch and under normal circumstances, you being normally what I would call a very attractive woman, I would have invited you back to share my little bed with me, and you might possibly have come. So it's a little bit more. Still. He, he acknowledges that it's not like a guarantee, like or that he's entitled to it. He's like, I would have invited you, and you may have said yes. Okay, okay. Like, I'm not saying that's not shitty <laughs> or stuck up, but he's upset because she's such a army brat like mm. just married to duty rather than to the people inside yeah. you know the camp itself it's a real waste of good puss <laughs> <laughs> i don't know it was it was gross it, it kind of it i don't know just it like it's because it happens so early and it's just like immediately off-putting that i was like oh, he man. he like really too soon i i do feel like he's put off by her because mm-hmm. she doesn't really do anything except defend frank burns mm-hmm. like you know he's talking he's like you know oh my nurses are are fine i'm happy with with my staff and he's like what do you think of frank burns he's like i think frank burns is terrible in all ways yeah. uh and she's like i think frank burns is great and like that's what really puts him off is that she's thinks that frank burns is great even though he's not he is kind of a POS. Oh, Frank Burns? Why would you blame uh, Bud Court for that situation? Like, I, I really like that scene. Like, the way that that plays out. Because, like, you know, when you watch it, you're like, oh, I think that guy's already dead. And he's, like, calling for adrenaline yeah. with a cardiac needle. And, and Bud, Bud Court looks like 14. Yeah, he looks so young. I'm like, what is he doing here? <laughs> you should be in school. Yeah. <laughs> and But the way that they say like you know damn it henry frank burns is a menace every time a patient croaks on him he says it's god's will or somebody else's fault yeah and this time he blamed it on some kid who was stupid enough to believe that feels real that does feel real like that actually like gets an emotion out of me yeah and then when like trapper slugs him in the face i'm like yeah yeah fuck that guy no i like if we didn't get that it would feel like they were singling him out because he was annoying mm-hmm. but because he does that it ma- it makes you realize that no he needs to do a little self-reflecting frank burns does and mm-hmm. like you know maybe like take responsibility once in a while yeah so uh i liked that i did like that well i like that you know after hawkeye like eggs him on in mm-hmm. the mess hall and and burns attacks him he gets sent home or at least sent out of the camp and I think it was Scarrett Duke who was like, uh, Colonel, fair is fair. If I nail hot lips and punch Hawkeye, can I go home? On that note, Radar in this movie is different than Radar in the TV show. No, he's the only one that's the same. But I mean, he, his character is different because in this movie, oh. he seems a little bit more on board with like the antics and like uh, having fun. Okay. Whereas like in the TV show, I think he's a little more dumb dumb but also like more straight laced like on the side of the administrative uh personnel than on the side of the fun people yeah i can kind of see that like there are slight differences in the show one is i guess the guy who wrote mash is pretty staunchly conservative and he didn't like the direction that alan aldo really took with the show because i mean the show ran for like 12 years alan Aldo started directing episodes like he had a heavy hand in it after a while and Alan Alda's lifelong bleeding heart progressive and uh yeah the guy who wrote the book mash was not pleased with the direction that Alan Alda took it in and so I mean yeah there are little differences like that we'd have to ask Matt Baum but I think that there's an episode of mash that deals with the gay character well there's the one character in the show that's not necessarily in the the movie Who's like cross dressing because he's like right? Yeah, I mean yeah. that's like a big thing. That's not in the movie. 
Also, the laugh track. Oh, my God. Oh. I don't miss it one bit. <laughs> I'm not immediately turned off by laugh tracks, but in MASH, I feel it's really inappropriate. Well, because then they have serious scenes in that show, yeah. too. It's like a dramedy show, half-hour show. Yeah, it's like putting the laugh track on the West Wing or something. It's bizarre, because, like, I mean, okay, we'll dig into the show. My my feelings on the show are here real, real fast. Like, it used to uh, be syndicated late at night, and when it came on, that was, like, my signal to go to bed oh. as a kid. And uh, there's something about that theme song that, like, is just triggering. It's kind of like in that same, like, AM gold uh, mm. vein that we talked about. Written on... by Robert Altman's son. <sighs> well, he wrote the lyrics. Oh, just lyrics. Yeah. Okay. okay. And uh, put a pin in that because we're, com- <laughs> we're coming back to those lyrics. But, like, I don't know. It always just made me feel weird, that song. I don't know. That, or just that music. Mm-hmm. Um, and also it meant that I had to go to bed, so it was always just like... Okay. I have negative associations with it. Sure, I get that. And then a couple of years ago, my mom uh, and dad were in Pittsburgh for medical issues, and I had to move out there for a month and help them with stuff. And they loved watching MASH still back then, mm-hmm. so I, had, I would watch a few episodes with them, and I grew to appreciate the show mm-hmm. more then. But that fucking song. <laughs> yeah, you don't still, like that? Oh, it's still... It's triggering. I don't know. It makes me feel weird. Okay. Like, it makes me feel just icky mm-hmm. <laughs> okay and i mean those lyrics okay so i i had to look this up but apparently uh the song is originally written for the like last supper scene and robert altman wanted the lyrics to be as dumb as possible oh okay but he tried to write lyrics but he couldn't do it himself so he asked his 14 year old son write some dumb lyrics okay and this is what he came up with suicide is painless it well, brings it, on many changes it had to be called suicide is painless but yeah, it brings on many changes, but then he goes into the sword of time will pierce our skin. It doesn't hurt when it begins, but as it works its way on in, the pain grows stronger. Watch it grin. <laughs> Did you get your kids some help after that? <laughs> like, whoa. Listen, I know that you were like poet laureate, uh, you know, one summer or something, but <laughs> yeah, he's 14. Those are the sort of overly dramatic lyrics that like you write as a 14 year old. I mean, I think they're good, but like, <laughs> they're s- fucked up. The game of life is hard to play. I'm going to lose it anyway. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's solid. I mean, it's true. The losing card I'll someday lay, so this is all I have to say. <laughs> I mean, that's a little bad, but. <laughs> well, uh, the movie, of course, was a huge hit when yeah. it came out. And like, the son got a lot of royalties from the song. That's right, yeah. Uh, and there's an interview on the Dick Cavett show where Robert Altman is talking about uh he's like yeah my you know 14 year old son wrote it and this was a couple years later he's like yeah he's 17 now and he's uh living in venice with a 20 year old woman in his own apartment i heard yeah he made more than uh altman made for directing the movie (laughs) (laughs) off royalties that's nuts the movie itself is sort of episodic we have like the first 40 minutes which is just like hospital procedural mm-hmm. but then we have a uh, painless the dentist like that is its own thing which <laughs> so there's a scene fairly early on of men peering in <laughs> no i what the fuck is that and they're, they're like they're peering into the shower and they're like oh well 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 must be painless polish standing shower tent yes and all the men are trying to get a Glimpse at his huge dick, right? Yeah, the the, <laughs> the best equipped man in the the whole mash unit or something. There's and like then, a line, yeah. Like, well, what are those guys waiting to scrub his back or no, something? No, he's what you might call the best equipped dentist in the army. Everyone's trying to get a glance at it, and one of them, like as they're walking away, is like, "Oh, I'd love to see that angry." Yeah. <laughs> I'd purely love to see that angry. I rewound it because I was like, wait, are they talking about his dick? Yeah, it well, it reminded me of toys when <laughs> uh, the general is talking with his father. Yeah. And he was like, <laughs> one of my men tried to frag me. <laughs> big cock? <laughs> big cock. Yeah. Yeah. Is that a thing? I do, do military people just like get so like bored that they talk about big dicks and then want to look at them <sighs> boy i don't know but what a time to be alive <laughs> i just yeah that scene was very confusing to it, me. yeah no i like i've seen this movie like twice in like two months or something and every time like nothing about that seems 
what I associate with like heteronormative behavior concerning large dicks on other men. <laughs> this is going to be a weird sidebar, but a couple of years ago, maybe you remember this. Um, there was an, a Reddit AMA about the a man who has two dicks, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um, he answered that most of the time it's straight men that want to like touch it. Them. Interesting. Yeah. Well, they're the ones who are more fascinated by it than anybody else. Dan Savage will will say that like people who watch uh, trans porn, like almost one hundred percent are straight men. Hmm. Like they just they're so fascinated with dicks. They just want it in everything. Yeah. And that, like, gay men never really watch trans porn. Like, and if they do, it's usually F to M. Right. And so, yeah, it's like, I don't know, straight men are more obsessed with it than anyone else, which blows my mind. Because I know some queens (laughs) who (laughs) fixate on it. If we have any uh, straight male listeners out there that are obsessed with dicks, yeah, let us know. Tell us you about tell us all your dirty little secrets. According to Mash, all of them are <laughs> very bizarre. So yeah, I, I don't. Anyway, that guy uh, Polofsky or po- the, the dentist painless, guy, yeah. painless, ends up um, having one incident where he's impotent with a woman, mm-hmm. and he decides he's homosexual and wants to die. <laughs> very succinct which i felt like one of the doctors there would say like well you know bigger dicks actually take a lot more blood (laughs) to get hard so like if you were drunk at all like that would really slow up or jam up the whole procedure yeah but uh i mean hawkeye is sympathetic he's like oh he's it's happened to me four or five times he's like it's never happened to me before it's like well you know this is your first, then. Like, just get <laughs> yeah, past it. Get over it. Unless know. he really was gay or bi also, or something. He, well, he was engaged to three different women. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, like, we get into like the like really absurd territory with this episode mm-hmm. in here, where I'm just like, well, weird. they they really like go to very strange lengths. <laughs> Like, yeah, they don't just convince him to like sleep on it for a day or two and like maybe see if he gets past it. They're just like, bye. They do this whole scenario of like, oh, we'll give you the, the black pill or the whatever they call it. Is it a black pill? They call yeah, they call them black something. I don't know. Um, And like they do this whole organized scenario that like everyone's in on. Like it's this huge prank where they... They make him think that he's committing suicide. Yeah, they, like, decorate this room that they move him to with, like, red fabric and stuff. And then he asked this woman, again, kind of problematic well, here. He's, she, like, pimping her out a little bit. Yeah, she's not totally into it, and she's married. <laughs> but, it, well, it, she's hesitant on it until she gets a glimpse of that D. Yeah. And then she's like, yeah, all right. She's like, I can take <laughs> I'll that. I'll take one for the team. <laughs> and then she gets, like, sent away. Because well, the yeah. next scene is her in the helicopter, and she, like, looks at the camera and smiles. Well, yeah, she's, like, super pleased with herself. She's like, yeah, that was worth it. She's like that guy who had to go to the hospital from uh, from Sucking Cock. Remember that picture from Oh, last yeah. Year? The he guy, was so smug. He was so pleased with himself. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's a really good comparison. Because, yeah, it's like her term is up or whatever they you want to say. Tour? Tour. Yeah, yeah. that's what they call it. But she's getting sent away, and she is very pleased with herself. Mm. Also, it's not like the dentist was, like, hideous looking. It's not like... No, he's cute. He was a monster or something. Like, you know, good-looking guy, massive dong. She's like, yeah, it's my last day here before I have to go back to my normal-dicked husband. And, uh, (laughs) yeah, why the hell not? (laughs) I mean, I guess I would. Yeah, why not? (laughs) I mean, morally, I find nothing wrong with it. Oh, no, not at all. She willingly went into this i don't know if he did they don't show him like waking up necessarily but oh yeah but he they seems... must have removed his pants <laughs> he seems fine though the next day like, get in like... this coffin and take off your pants <laughs> <laughs> he seems willing to live life again after that so. oh the next day he's back to normal he's like in the mess hall he's like all right well can't waste time big day got two jobs to rebuild all because he wasn't gay yeah which is a little problematic, but no one also, like, no one actually treats the homosexuality thing itself as a problem. Yeah. It's more that, like, 
because he's going to kill himself because he thinks he's a homosexual. And everyone's understand like tacitly Everyone, understanding yeah, of it. Yeah. That's the part that's, that's like the, yeah. Mm. <laughs> no one says like, well, j- just be gay then. Yeah, that's the well. Yeah, first of all, impotence is okay. Yeah, that that one fine happens and, but to the then, best like, of us. And then like being gay, that's also fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like maybe like. That could have been well, at least the, said at one the point. The 70s were a very unwoke time. Sure, 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 sure. I mean, if you want to talk about the unwokeness of this movie, I think no, the football I don't. scene... <laughs> I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> ...is probably the worst. Like, not, not that there's a lot of blatant racism in it, but it's like, here we have the first and only black character of any prominence, and what does he get referred to as... Spear chucker. Yeah. <laughs> Why do they call you spear chucker? <laughs> I used to throw the jab. Oh. I texted Eric Blood because he's a big Altman fan. He's very pro mash. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what do you make of this? He goes, well, he throws javelin. <laughs> I was like, I don't feel like that. <laughs> doesn't and he texted back saying he's like well i guess if one of the doctors was a, a black woman i was like yeah that would help <laughs> a lot it made me uncomfortable and as eric blood said it should oh okay good Whew. uh i don't think he was giving the movie a pass necessarily but <laughs> yeah i'm just like they couldn't call him like javelin man or something like there's gotta be a better term for him than spear chucker yeah. Or just call him by his name. (laughs) (laughs) No, we're not doing that. (laughs) Like, they have a name. I don't know what it is because they never call him that. (laughs) How boring is football, by the way? Okay, I didn't want to admit this, but I'm going to. Earlier, when I said that I won that tournament in my stupid word game, (laughs) I picked up my phone and started playing my word game during this this football part. Oh, did you? Yeah. I just, I was like, I like I said earlier, it's like, I get it. We're making fun of football, an American institution. I don't want to sit through a football game to prove that point. Like, mm-hmm. I already hate football. It's like, uh, you know that episode of The Simpsons where, like, Homer has to be, like, sober for 30 days and he's at a baseball game and, like, he's having this, like, slow realization of how boring baseball is? Yeah. And now there's a beach ball on the field. And the ball boys are discussing which one of them's gonna go get it. I never realized how boring this game is. I lose so much interest in the football portion of it. And I like gambling, and there is a gambling element to this. Yeah. But, oh boy, do I just lose interest in the football portion. And also, they're planned. They put a lot of responsibility on that ringer. On Spear Chucker. On Spear Because it's like... They're just like it's a fine. Like let them score some points. We'll we'll get it back in the second half when we put our ringer in. And it's like well, yeah. The idea is ah. to let the other team like get points up there. Yeah, and then they get odds on it. And like because it's like it's so imbalanced and very unlikely that they'll come back, the payout will be greater. And then there's someone pulls out like a needle and like debilitates one of yeah, the, one of the other players. Yeah. When that happened, I was like, oh, our, our heroes are cheaters? Well, also, hiding a ball under your jersey is absolutely cheating. <laughs> also, I know that, like, the general or whatever explains that, like, there is a, f- a football field and everything. But, like, it just... They, they have, a like, a full football field. Yeah, with, like, like the end zones are painted with the, like, teams, they have, like, logos. What are they? Goal sco- posts? Yes, a scoreboard. They have uniforms. uniforms? It just feels like another movie all of a sudden. Well, also, and this is this I think kind of plays in the misogynistic parts of the movie too. Oh, no. Is that Hot Lips is literally a cheerleader in the scene when in this like same like vignette they're talking about how she won't let them play football or she frowns upon it or something, and here she is like a literal cheerleader in this scene and. Like, not to mention that it's like they've mistreated her so much because this is after the the shower scene. And they establish that she doesn't like it when they play football. And then she's like a comic relief cheerleader during the scene. Like, really, this is what you're relegating, like, the one female character of any note to? And it feels like a wild swing like it just feels out of character yeah. for her and i don't i don't get it it's like it's 
not just that she's at the football game being a cheerleader, but the way she's acting. Oh, yeah. She's acting like a dumb, dumb doy idiot. Yeah, she's acting like, uh, was it uh, Brittany in Daria? Yeah. And it's like, this isn't the character that we've known because we there's even this scene where Hawkeye's like, Hotlips, you may be a pain in the ass, but you're a damn good nurse. Would a super competent nurse be like, 12 points every time <laughs> points are scored? And then mm-hmm. like, think that the firing, the like, Quarter Starter's pistol, pistol yeah, yeah, is like them getting shot. Oh my god, they shot him! It just, it, it, the whole football game sucks. I hated it. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> no, 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 I, I'm bored with you, but like, I don't know if it's just because like I'm bored to tears by football, just in gen- like any sport. <sighs> I bring this up once in a while. I don't think I've ever said it on pod, but like sometimes I'll be looking up an actor for the, you know, this, this Except podcast. Except for men's tetherball. I'm all about that one. <laughs> Nude men's tetherball. <laughs> yeah. I love that one too. But like, I'll look up an actor, and like, that'll also be because uh, it's you know some no name. It'll also be uh, a sports person, mm. and then I'll realize that there's like a Wikipedia page for this sports person I've never th- heard oh, of. Sure. And then I realize there's a whole world of Wikipedia sports. Yep. That I never go to. Yep. It's wild to me. Yeah. That people care so much about sports in a way that I care about no the name Muppets. actors. <laughs> <laughs> like. It's, I mean, the, and like once I, you know, realized that it's sort of like, okay, there's room for that. And like the world is big enough for everybody. Sure. But like it is, whenever I see sports, I'm just like, this is, I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I I'm, I'm the same way. Like it's just, I, I, no, I'm, I'm Homer at that baseball game. <laughs> but it's like one of those things. Like I, I think, like I read somewhere that Robert Altman is a big football fan. So he was like all about this football scene. Robert Altman, like I, I want to mention this uh, before we, you know, get too far down. He didn't see any combat, but like he flew a plane in World War Two. Oh, okay. Like he didn't see action, but like he was enlisted and he flew a plane and was a trained pilot and, you know, knew other army people. So like, I think that's one of the reasons why the, like the, the realism in, mash hits so close to home it's like he yeah. knew real soldiers like he knew how they act and talked and you know got along with one another mm-hmm. but uh i think he was a football fan too and it's just like oh god <laughs> it's a little hard not to project today's sensibilities on this 1970 movie mm-hmm. you know the movie's now almost 50 years old right so like it's difficult for me not to put that on it because like I think of Hawkeye and I think of Trapper. I think of them because you mentioned flying. This is why I'm thinking of this. Like, I love all the helicopters. Like, when the helicopter's Mm. landing while they're playing golf and they're being shitty, like, oh, I wish they wouldn't land while we're playing golf. It's just like, oh, yeah, because they're doctors, (laughs) like surgeons Uh who got drafted into the war. So it's like, they're probably kind of rich and entitled back in America, too. So it's like, it just makes it hard to root for people like that. I mean, I know like the disparity between like wealth wasn't as huge in the set in that time period, but you still like kind of get that vibe from them. And yeah, I also think though, like if they're doctors and they were drafted, like that means they have to like give up their livelihood and like, you know, potentially their own practice too. Like, Ooh, like how long are you going to be out here? Not working. Like is the army, reimbursing you your income while you're here like like i'm sure that there's some sort of restitution for you like being out there but like still like that's what i thought i was like fuck like that would suck yeah like if you just get like a standard army stipend versus like if you were like a successful doctor or a resident or something someplace Mm -hmm. like i don't know i think about that it just yeah i don't there's like a certain amount of like boomer rebelliousness that like permeates this movie oh, that i don't that's like that's a good term for it. that's a real good term for it it's like you know it's in like five easy pieces and that sort of thing where it's like well why can't i do it this way uh-huh. like i don't know like it feels shitty sometimes I, I i can't put it a better way i might also just have a knee-jerk reaction to like boomer rebelliousness so. i mean this <laughs> is a very boomer movie yeah like really through and through yeah uh but no i, I like that term that's real good i think uh, you nailed it there so you kind of have to just accept that. And and actually it probably was pretty radical at the time. Like mm-hmm. I can't in 70 I'll bet that felt, you know, a little scandalous even. Oh, Cuz like for what? Sure, for Fucking sure. Easy Rider 69. Yeah. And so like, you know, it's all around the same time. Yeah. 
you know, so there's the scene where they like they go to to Tokyo because they had to perform heart surgery on the congressman's son. Right. And they're like, this shrapnel's nowhere near his heart. Like, we'll go, we'll be out in a couple hours, and we can go catch golf. And while they're there, they go to some whorehouse. Right. Uh, Which is also a children's hospital. Yeah, it's like there's a children's hospital that's funded through the whorehouse that, like, the same guy runs. Which I'm like, hey, that's a... (laughs) Capitalism at its best. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) This is a structure I can get behind. (laughs) You Um, just want whorehouses to fund everything. (laughs) But also, like, it's... I think the the whorehouse, even though I, I don't like it when a movie takes place in one setting for, like, two hours and then for, like... 25 minutes it's like someplace else mm-hmm. i do like because it does illustrate like their sense of duty it's like yeah like they go there they sew up the guy or like remove the shrapnel or whatever they go play golf they go to the whorehouse but someone like then says like we have this kid like one of the ladies wasn't careful enough and now we have a kid on the premises yeah uh we can't get him to eat he just like turns blue or, or vomits it up esophagus thing yeah and it's like both doctors, like both Trapper and Hawkeye, are like, oh, I know what it is. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll, like we'll just take them to the army hospital. And like, well, no, the, you know, army uh, resources. Yeah, for this they don't want to use it on natives. And it's yeah. like, let us handle it. Yeah, I mean, I do like that. There is like a just, uh, like a righteousness to it that I do kind of. Yeah, it's get like off they finish their bit. yakisoba, <laughs> and then they go. <laughs> And they fix the kid. And they keep the kid from yucking its soba up. Uh, well, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> Terrible. That's not even funny. Well, but it's like the, they're worried that like the general might like squeal on them. So they take all those compromising photos of them. Like, well, don't tell anyone. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, we got these Polaroids here. Yeah. And I'm like, this is a really good illustration of how like, yeah, they're scoundrels. But like in the end, they're doing the right thing. Sure. At least in, in this type of situation. Sure. Like, when it comes to medicine, they're doing the right things. Like they're amoral, sexist, you know, boys club assholes outside don't of Don't racist. <laughs> But they're only racing black people. Like, you don't actually see any racism against, like, Koreans in this movie. Well, I think the scene when they first arrive and they're driving by that golf course and they're, like, speaking in fake Japanese. I don't think that's really Japanese they're speaking. No, probably not, but that's that seems light compared to like saving a boy's life. Sure. Like with with American military resources. Hey, I just wrote it off that like since war is complicated, our heroes can be complicated. I, yeah, part of me is like, well, you know, you know, everyone says war is hell. And it's like you got to do what you got to do to stay sane. But yeah, I just don't think pulling the curtain down on a woman in the shower is like what you got to do to stay sane. <laughs> That's, I mean, that one scene is really probably the biggest problem I have with the movie. Yeah, it's pretty bad. If they eliminated that one portion, I could like almost like turn a blind eye to their otherwise sexless abuse to Houlihan. Yeah. I mean, the spear checker stuff's pretty unsavory, but I think ultimately, like what this movie stands for and what it accomplishes as a singular, you know, piece of cinema, mm-hmm. I don't want to say outweighs its flaws, but it, it definitely minimizes them for yeah. me. For me personally, yeah. like I still, I still didn't really enjoy watching it, but I don't think that as a piece of cinema, it's bad. I appreciate it a lot. I just didn't have a good time this time around yeah the the host of uh uh the yo is this racist podcast they talk about how white people are really bad at compartmentalizing Mm. like black people have had to do it all the time their whole lives Mm -hmm. and so they're pretty good at it whereas like white people once they realize that there's a racist element in something they like they just have to throw the whole thing out Like they they can't just be like oh yeah swing time is good but even though there's blackface in it but the dance sequence is actually really good it's like that whole movie's garbage <laughs> and I kind of feel like that I'm like there there's like the shower scene and the football scene and if we could just circumvent those parts of it I think we'd have a pretty good movie on our hands sure 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 sure. <laughs> Thank you.
this is like a topic I've been meaning to bring up on several episodes, but never did. But it's here, and I'm just going to like throw it out right now. Uh, when uh, What's Robert Duvall's character's name? Frank Burns. Okay, when Burns and Houlihan make out for the first time, and her lipstick gets all smeared all over her face and uh-huh. all over his face. Uh-huh. I'm just wondering, how, how often do you make out with people who wear lipstick? Almost never these days. Okay. <laughs> Why? Like, lipstick tastes to me. Oh, sure. Like, sure, it sure. tastes like a paste. I don't know. It's gross. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it's like animal fat or something, isn't it? Yeah. Like mostly. Just, I don't know. It tastes off to me. And sure. I think about how women wear lip stuff all the time, right? Because like, uh-huh. society says you have to. Straight men out there making out with women, like when they make out, they think that that tastes good probably because they're well, hopefully there's that- like. I mean, I think a lot of women wear lip gloss now that tastes fruity as opposed to lipstick. Right. So, so like, I don't know any women. Straight that... men are tasting a thing when they make out with Yeah, women. I'm sure they do. Often. Okay. And if it tastes bad, I'm sure they just look the other way. And they like it, like, because then they're associating it with sex. Well, I don't know if they like it, but I'm sure they just deal with it. I'm pretty sure. It's like getting a pube stuck in your teeth. Like, you mm-hmm. just go past it. Yeah, you start, and then you want to put pubes in your teeth all the time. What? What? Uh, no, I'm with you. <laughs> well, anyway, do we, is that it? Are we done with MASH? I think we're done with MASH. Mashed out. I still fun. stand by it. I think this was a very good Veterans Day movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, definitely. Yeah, I just I, I feel like it hit that sweet spot that I'm, I was looking for. So I guess that brings us to what we got going on next week. I want to do a movie called Sita Sings the Blues. Have you heard of it? Sita Sings the Blues? No, I've never heard of it. Yeah, Um, It's an animated movie from like 10 years ago Mm. uh, that is uh, kind of controversial because when it came out, the woman who made it used uh, copyrighted material, like specifically uh, songs Mm -hmm. of uh, jazz singers. Mm. Um, But she released the movie as a uh, Creative Commons license, which is when you can like copy or remix or do whatever the fuck you want with it. And it turned into this whole legal battle because she wanted to make her stuff free um, and available to anybody. But because of the copyrighted song material, it was problematic. Okay. So um, we're going to talk about a lot of that stuff. But actually, the movie, I've watched it. It's very, it's good. On okay. its own. Like yeah, I've never heard of it. The animation is really cool. The story is pretty good. And because she has made it, she's actually since put it into the public domain. Hmm. So you can fucking watch it on YouTube. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's available everywhere. You could download it and own it if you want. Oh, like, okay. I think we'll have lots to say. Okay. Cool. Yeah. yeah, I've never heard of it. And I I always like it when you pick something I've never heard of before. Yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 Yeah. Looking some, forward to it. It'll be fun. Something new. So let's plug our junk. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Can I plug myself in our junk plugging for a moment? Uh, yeah, why not? I just want to put it out there that um, I am an audio engineer who produces podcasts, including the one you are listening to right now, as well as one called Sister Midnight. Uh, so if you want your podcast produced by this guy, I'm using my two thumbs to point at myself here. I would also like to say that we've had other guests on here who, like, without being prompted, say that this is the best produced podcast that they've ever heard and that is 100 p ryan thank you it's not just me that thinks that it's our peers strangers <laughs> yeah so i just want to put it out there if you want me to produce your podcast let me know send me drop me a line i'm looking to make this into a job yeah so uh send me send me your ideas he's and- cheap and easy and also affordable <laughs> and he produces podcasts <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at xratedmovies. Follow us on Facebook, Rated X Movies. Email us x.rated.movies at gmail.com. And our website, of course, is xratedmovies.com. Well done. Leave us love wherever you find your podcasts, whether it be Stitcher, whether it be Apple Podcasts, whether it be any other platform. I'm sure we're there in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, we love hearing what you think about what we think. Until next week, Matt. Where we do Sita Sings the Blues. Keep reaching for that rainbow. Mm-hmm.